We are continuing on our subject here, the laws of the harvest. We are using Genesis chapter 8 as our main verse. And I'm reading verse 22, first in the King James Bible and in other translations. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. The New English translation reads, while the earth continues to exist, planting time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. The Message Bible reads, for as long as the earth lasts, planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never stop. Remember in Genesis 8, the story is covered of Noah having been in the ark after the earth was destroyed, the entire earth was destroyed by the flood. Noah and his family together with animals and certain birds were spared by God. But then after the rain ceased and it became dry, Noah exited the ark together with his family, the birds and the animals. And then when he got out of the ark, verse 20 of chapter 8 of Genesis tells us that Noah built an altar unto the Lord and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the sweet aroma of the sacrifice, he then said to himself, I will never again cast the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent towards evil from childhood. However, I will never again destroy all things through water. See, what had happened is that when the flood came, it interrupted the normal cycle of seasons. For it rained for an entire year, uninterrupted. And so the cycle of seasons was disturbed for that reason. So God said... I'm going to bring back that cycle. God reaffirms that the rhythm of days, weeks, and seasons will come back and will continue and endure for as long as the earth is. This implies that God set these principles in motion through which life would be governed. For as long as the earth is, we'll have day and night. We'll have different weeks, different months. We'll have summer and winter, all the seasons, even though uh, there's, there's global warming, but we'll still have that. But then we will also have what we want to focus on today, planting and reaping. There will always be, in the words of the Bible, seed time and harvest. Amen. This means, therefore, life as has been designed by God, it's simply governed by this law of sowing and reaping. And so as we go about our everyday life, we are constantly sowing. We are unceasingly sowing. And we will reap as a result of that. Most people do not seem to understand this principle. You know, when we live a life, it, you know, we go about our business, we do whatever we do, you know. Uh, you say whatever you say, make whatever decision, and connect with whoever you want to connect on, eat whatever you want, drink whatever you want. Sleep wherever you want, you know. Uh, relate with whatever you want. Just send whatever message you want on WhatsApp or Instagram, whatever. Just do whatever. But we don't ever realize that if 
everything we do according to this principle is sowing and reaping. Everything. In fact, this is emphasized in Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8. When you read in the New, in the New King James Version, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows. Somebody say whatever. whatever. Say it again. Whatever. Look at the neighbor and say, neighbor, it's whatever. <laughs> Tell the other neighbor, neighbor, it's whatever. <laughs> you know what the word whatever means? Can I, can I tell you what the word whatever means? The word whatever, when you look at it in its original text, it actually means whatever. <laughs> whatever a man sows. Note, the King James says, that will you also reap. Whatever you sow, that you reap. You don't reap anything else other than what you sow. Verse 8 says, for the one who sows to his own flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap eternal life. For that reason, this law of sowing and reaping works both in the negative and in the positive. And note, it is you and I who makes the choice what to sow. Uh -huh. And whatever we sow, positive or negative, that's what we reap. So we want to look at this law, if we could, from the positive side of it, all right? We don't want to talk about the negative, even though we know the negative is there. We are aware that the negative also works. But there is a blessing that we inherit when we sow that which is good. And all our life is about sowing. How do we sow, you ask me? Through actions, through words, through attitudes, through thoughts, next week we're going to talk about how we saw through our thought life. Through decisions, associations, through obedience or disobedience, whatever a man sows. So today what we want to talk about is how we saw through our words. And I want to use the subtitle, The Power of the Tongue. Proverbs 18.21 will be our main text for this one. And I'm reading the King James Bible. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. When the Bible talks about the tongue, it's actually referring to the words that we speak. So, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, in other words, when we speak, we can either speak death to our life or we can speak life to our lives. And remember, whatever you sow through your words, that's what you're going to reap. Look at the neighbor and say, why are you not saying amen? Are they talking about you? <laughs> All right. The, con the, the common Jewish Bible reads in Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power over life and death. And those who indulge it must eat its fruit. Your tongue has the power over life and death. Yeah? The Message Bible reads, words kill, words give life. They are either poison or fruit. You choose. Yeah. So every day, as you, as you go around our life, as we talk and just keep talking, huh? either we are sowing 
life or we're serving death. And the Bible says, you choose. See, our words are like seeds that we plant. And whatever we say consistently over our lives, believing it in our hearts will grow and germinate. You know, I, I get amazed at how the, the, the secular world has picked up on these principles. And they write books on it. And we call them progressive. them. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about the power of positive thinking. I'm not, I'm not quoting from that book. I'm not here to talk about some self-help, whatever, whatever. Those things are fine in their place, but all these principles come from the Bible. Amen. And for me, it amazes me how even people who may not necessarily believe in God use these principles and succeed. Why? Because, see, a principle works. It doesn't discriminate. A principle doesn't say umzakes or umzakes. Are you understanding? Yeah. A principle doesn't. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I was saying in the first service, if you, if, you, if you meet people who are successful, you know, some of them I know, you find this person doesn't believe in anything. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in the devil. They, they, are, not, they are not whatever. They don't align themselves to any religion. But when you hang around them and listen to them talk, you can realize that these successful people have found a way of believing certain principles. And when you listen to them talk, they are far more positive than some Christians who are sitting next to you. Look at your believer next to you and say, how? And when you listen to them, they'll tell you their vision, they'll tell you their plans, and then they end by saying, and I know I'm going to succeed, I'm going to get better than this. But you meet some Christian person. Huh? Who's always telling people, who hasn't just Anybody who's sitting next to somebody who's talking like that? And so consistently we use words, we poison our life, we release death over our lives, and when, when death be, starts working in our lives, we, we act like we don't know where it came from. Because like we were introducing this topic two weeks ago that you see, because it's a cycle, it's very difficult to relate what you're experiencing at that time to anything that you've done. It's like, you can't say, Are you understanding what we are saying? Somebody say, Hallelujah. Do you have an idea of how many words you use in the course of your life just on an ordinary day? Do you know, according to research, each person here will open their mouth an average of 700 times in a day. I Because I was preaching in the other service and I'm preaching here. Seven, 700 times you open your mouth. Average. Just this average. Just 700 times. And in those 700 times, you will use an average of 18,000 words. Per day. Now, if we were to quantify those words in comparison to books that are written, on average, books that are regarded as thick books are about 500 to 700 pages in size. Now note, the 18,000 words that we use daily would translate into about 54 printed pages of these thick books per day. 
That means that in one year, an average person would fill about 66 books of 800 pages each. In one year. Words you use. Yeah? And all these words, whatever you say, either releases death or releases life. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And most people are not even aware of that. I was telling Ruti Pizza now, you know, we were talking at the back there, and I was saying, now that we are teaching this, I, 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 you'll be more sensitized. In fact, you'll start listening to you. Amen. You'll realize how much death. You know, you know, even when we are happy, you know, what's what? The whole man at the whole whole I know I can't, I can't I can't put the two things together. Why Why I mean I mean really why why you know our words are filled with death, doubt, and fear. Huh? Somebody asks you, you say I doubt so. Or you say I'm afraid so. Why must you be afraid so? How so sure? Why do you say I'm afraid so? If you let why do you say why must we use fear, doubt, death, negativity? Even when we're talking about something good, we say it in a negative way. Yeah. I'm challenging you. From today, listen to you. You will know why things are working out the way they're working in your life. Hmm? When I started learning this principle way back in 1980, I started listening to me. And I realized, the devil is not to blame for my problems. I'm the one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So this is why Jesus says in Matthew 12, 37, he says, by your words, you will be condemned. And by your words, you will be justified. Your own words. The very words that you use. The very words that you speak. Oh, we love to blame the devil, don't we? That verse in the Message Bible, oh, listen to what it says. It says, words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. Now let's read a few scriptures concerning words. We've already read uh, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Proverbs 21, 23. Listen to what it says. It says, whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue Keepeth his soul from troubles. So in other words, you must be measured in what you say. You must be selective in the words that you use. You must be intentional in what you say about you. Why? Because whatever you say becomes your destiny. That verse in the, common, in the complete Jewish Bible reads, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his life out of trouble. So you've got to guard your mouth. Guard your tongue. The message Bible says, watch your words and hold your tongue. You'll save yourself from a lot of grief. Yeah. Matthew 12, 37, we've already read it. Your words, the words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The New Living Translation. Mark eleven twenty three. For verily I say unto you that whosoever, somebody say whosoever. whosoever. Say it again. Say it again. Whosoever. Whosoever shall do what? Shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed 
and be thou cast into the sea and shall not do what? Shall not? Ah, doubt in his heart, but shall do what? Believe what? Shall do what? What will happen? Let me read it with you. Let me read it with you. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. All right? I'm going to ask you to do something for me. All right? On the left hand, I want you to count the amount of times it says believe. Okay? On the right hand, I want you to count the amount of times it uses the word say. Okay? But exclude that one where I say, verily, I say unto you. This is Jesus saying to us, so that one don't count. <laughs> Come on, work with me, work with me, work with me, work with me. So, so on the left, king. On the right, say. Now, look at me for a while. Before we do the exercise, I want to show you something. I want to show you something. Many of God's people believe right in their heart. And the problem is not in the believing. The problem is in what they say. People come here, they believe, you pray for them, they believe they're going to be healed. How about some of our out? How is it that? Hey, wait. I I I can show Rotla Luka. Look at your neighbors about Tungutsa or Epel Ababuakawen. Now, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. He's under Pezu. Me no Pezu. He's under Pezu. Come on, we're just joking. He's under Pezu. Look, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Come on. Yeah, we all. Okay. Here we go. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say. So you should be having one finger on the one head. Let's go again. Some of you, you are failing this test. This is easy, Bazalwan. Let's go. Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in it that but shall So you should be having something like that. Some of you, you are still confused even now. But shall believe that those things which he shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he Did you realize he didn't even say you will have whatever you believe? Mamela, 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 here's the point. You've got to say it three times more than you believe for it to work. Yeah. 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 But you see, many people, we read the scriptures, we read the Bible, we believe in our hearts, but we say what is wrong. So when it doesn't work, move to leave. Put the kayas No call, But you see, the issue is, death and life are in the power of the some examples, Bazalana. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 4. I want to read you a story of a woman called a Shunammite woman. I want to read this. It's a long story. And I'm going to read this story and I want us, as we read this story, let me ask you, Bazalana, can I, can I have your attention? See, when you read the Bible, don't just read Unvulanje. 
Are you understanding what I'm saying? No, no, no. Get into the story. Immerse yourself in the story. Make it a virtual world that you get into. Feel what they feel. Go through what they go through. Note the words. Note the text. That's how it's written. Try to analyze how they said it, why they said it, when they said it, who they said it to. If you don't read the Bible like that, you'll never understand why certain things are in the Bible. I'll show you the story. Are you ready to read with me? Okay. Have you found 2 Kings? Oh, I haven't found mine. 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verse 8. Here we go. Verse 8. I get lost sometimes. One day, Elisha went to the town of Shunem. Now, this lady is called a Shunammite woman because she's in a place called Shunem. Now, Shunem was a border city that Joshua had allocated to the tribe of Issachar. All right? You find that in Joshua chapter 19. It, is, it was about five kilometers north of Jezreel, near Mount Gilboa. Currently, this place is called Solem or Sulam. Okay? So, Elisha the prophet goes to Shunem. Then it says, a wealthy woman lived there. Note. She asked him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed by that way, he would stop there for something to eat. So, obviously, the, the prophet was itinerating. He would come to the city, preach there, go somewhere. And this woman used to watch that, and he, she felt that this servant of God needs to be ministered to. All right, verse 9. So she said to her husband, I'm sure this man who stops in from time to time is a holy man of God. Let's build a small room for him on the roof and furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. Then we will have a place to stay wherever he comes by. He'll have a place. So, you know, this woman understands these principles. Now, Bazalan, I'm just mentioning this story. I'm not trying to give you a hidden message there, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying after the service you must come give me money. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just explaining, okay? This is what used to happen. This woman, uh, what strikes me about her, she's a woman of great understanding. She understands what it means to, to serve the servants of the Lord. All right. So she takes the initiative. She takes the initiative, talks to the husband. Thankfully, the husband was not a difficult guy. So wafurstan. Okay, next verse. What verse are we on? Help me, help me. Verse 11. Verse 11. All right. One day, Elijah returned to Shunem, and he went up to his upper room to rest. He said to this, his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she's appeared, Elijah said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown to us. What can we do for you? Ah, that's an open end, I tell you. I mean, the, what can we do for you? Even at least some of us. Ooh. Anyhow, then it says, can we put you a good word for you to the king or the commander of the army? No, she replied. My family takes good care of me. What a woman. What a woman. Later, Elijah asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replies, she doesn't have a son and her husband is an old man. Isn't it amazing that this lady, he has a prophet of God. She has a great need. Hmm? She doesn't even mention it. 
She is not complaining. She is not mungu. Hmm? She is not saying negative stuff. Here they give her an open check, an open book. What do you want? She doesn't even mention it. Wow. What a woman, Ka August. Viva women. What is so nice to read this story in August? What a woman. Next verse. Verse what? 15. Call her back again, Elijah told him. When the woman returned, Elijah said to her as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, there's the cycle again. Next year at, 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 at this time. Can I hear an amen, Bazala? Can I hear an amen, Bazala? Next year at this time, you will be holding a, a, a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And at that time, the following day, she, yeah, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Now note, 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 the story gets another twist to it. One day when her child was older, he went out to help his father who was working with the harvester. Suddenly, this son cried out, my head hurts. My head hurts. His father said to one of the servants, carry him home to his mother. So the servant took him home and his mother held him on her lap. But around noontime, he died. Now remember, the husband is out on the field. She's at home. Watch this now. Go to listen to this. The boy is dead. Note what she does. Verse 21. She carried him up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. Then she shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband. What message? If it was some of us. Note the message. Send one of the servants and a donkey so that I can hurry to the man of God and come right back. How? You're not even mentioning where the brother is dead. See, this woman is using her words intentionally. So she, she is sowing seeds of God's words in the face of sickness, death, and despair. Yeah. Very often when we go through difficult times, that's the time when we say stuff we don't mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out of despair and frustration, we just say something of those 18,000 words. We release just a few of those words. Why? Because we are frustrated. What you haven't understood is that even if you take the seed and just throw it into the ground, the seed doesn't know. Yeah. The seed has been pre-programmed by God that the minute it comes in contact with the right environment, it begins to grow. Even if how many of you are sitting next to somebody else are low amen Let's read further. What verse are we on now? 23. Why go today? The man asked. It's neither a new moon festival nor a Sabbath. But she said, what did she say? What did she say? In the King James, she said, all is well. Ganja, I know all is well. How do you say all is well? What do you mean all is well when you don't have food at home? What do you mean all is well when you don't have a job? What do you mean all is well when your children are giving you problems? What do you mean all is well and then you are sick in your body? No, I'm using my words intentionally. Death and life is in the power of the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. All is well. She is not denying. 
She's not living in a fake make-believe world. She is intentional. She knows what she's saying. She knows you've got to say that which you want to see come to pass in your life. Some of you, you want to see right things in your life, but you're saying all the wrong things. Somebody say all is well. Somebody say all is well. Somebody say all is well. Wow. Verse 24. So she shuttled the donkey. So the, the, the husband doesn't even know that the child is dead. And she said to the servants, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you to. As she approached the man of God at Mount Camel, Elisha saw her in the distance. He said to Gehazi, look, the woman from Shunam is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her. Ask her what? Is everything all right? Even though all specific. With you? Your husband? Even for many years, I didn't have any child. But she, this is the point where, for a while, you had a miracle from God. For a while, it worked just like you prayed. For a while, God answered. For a while, you were, you were walking on cloud number nine. And all of a sudden, the bottom dropped out. What do you say on that day? What do you say? Yeah. Yeah. Many people, when they reach this position, that's why they let out all the negative things. It won't last. Yeah, that's what we say. Of course, I knew. I knew that I cannot be employed. I knew. I always lose a job. I was even surprised to go to a bank keeper for one year. No, but usually, six months by young coach. Oh, yeah. But you see, people don't realize that when you come into these situations, your words will determine the outcome. Not what the enemy is saying. Not what the enemy is doing, but what your words say. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? Is everything okay? You, your husband, your child. Urin. Says all is fine. All is well. Wow. When she came to the man of God at the mountain, she fell to the ground before him, caught his feet. Gehazi began to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. Then she said, did I ask you for a son, my Lord? I didn't say, don't, don't deceive me and get my hopes up. And Elijah said to Gehazi, get ready to travel. Take my staff and go. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Go quickly and lay the staff on the child's face. But the boy's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I won't go home unless you go home with me. So Elijah returned with her. Gehazi hurried on ahead, laid the staff on the child's face, but nothing happened. There was no sign of life. He returned to meet Elijah and told him the child is still dead. When Elijah arrived, the child was indeed dead, lying there on the prophet's bed. He went in alone. I'll talk about that. 
He went in alone, shut the door behind him, prayed to the Lord. Then he laid down on the child's body, placing his mouth on the child's mouth, his eyes on the child's eyes, his hands on the child's hands. And as he stretched out on him, the child's body began to grow warm again. Elijah got up, walked back and forth across the room once, and he stretched himself out on the child. This time the boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Then Elijah summoned Gehazi, call the child's mother, he said. And when she came in, Elijah said, take your son here. She fell at his feet and bowed before him, overwhelmed with gratitude. Then she took her son in her arms and carried him downstairs. Your words will create life or death in your life. I tell you, this woman, this story here, it's an incredible story. I was telling when I read this story, I always remember when we were building our first phase in Pinville, when we ran out of funds. <laughs> uh, and we, the, the project was, they had, you know, the costing was about 18 million, the, the first project. But then it, it escalated to 23 million. So we, we, we used up all the money and we ran out of cash and we did it five million. And I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the day when our financial controller came to tell us, to tell me actually that the money had run out and we needed to have five million in two weeks. I'll never, remember, I'll never forget that. So he came, I could see when he walked in, I could see, you know, this is someone I've worked with for years, I could see in general, and when he came in, his voice was shivering. He said, Muruti. Muruti. I said, what? Chalata Efedi. Yeah, that's, that's not where the problem was. And, and we, we, we need to have it in the next two weeks. So imagine now, five million rents. Reza. And I could hear from me, we need five million. And I will remember, because I knew this, I knew whatever I say at that time. Whatever I say, when you're under pressure, yeah, I knew whatever I say at that time would become our destiny. Now note, I didn't know where the money was going to come from. I didn't know what we were going to do. And those years, by the way, all the banking institutions had redlined us. Bakers are no, not today. Don't take any offense on their behalf, all right? So I remember, I said to a financial control, I said, God will provide. That's what I said. Right? Then he went, how? I said, let's leave the how to God. But I don't know, two weeks to the time, I'll never forget this. Two weeks, on the second week, we were running out of days. Then we, we were referred to somebody through somebody via somebody because of somebody instead of somebody in the place of somebody. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? Have you ever had, when you have tried, every door is blocked, every window is blocked. Just when you, are, when, when you don't know where else to go, just, just coincidentally you bump into somebody and just by the way, you know, we a fella in passing, but you don't know who that somebody almost bumping and coincidentally we put in passing is the right person who knows somebody via somebody because of somebody in somebody through somebody because of somebody. Oh Jesus. 
Oh, Jesus. I am prophesying. May you know somebody through somebody, via somebody. Are you understanding what I'm saying? God knows your need. That's what God told the prophet. He says, I have commanded the raven to feed you. Go to the brook of Cherith. Go there. He says, I have commanded the raven to feed you there. There is a place called there. It's a place of miracles. It's a place of divine encounters. It's a place where God turns things around. Can I hear an amen in the south? There's a place. The place, yeah. and I remember that one meeting we ended up getting this loan five million. Which, by the way, you know the story, we paid it off in two years. Shaba yaba, and I'll never forget the day when we got our title deed and we built the second phase. And from that day, I said, We will never again, we will pay cash. Ah, somebody give the Lord a shout. Listen, I'm not preaching to you what we're not practicing. I'm not preaching to you what is theory. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. It is up to you if you're going to speak death to your life or life to your life. This woman could have said all kinds of negative things. But Moza, is everything alright? Says all is well. Somebody say all is well. Look at somebody say all is well. The story of David and Goliath. It's an amazing story. Amazing story. You know, when you read it, until you are talking about a topic like this, you don't really note the amount of times that David said something. To me, that story speaks of sowing the right seeds in the face of obstacles, fear, and intimidation. Yeah. When you're faced with those things, what do you say? I'll read it from the screen, all right? First Samuel chapter 7. 17, thank you. First Samuel chapter 17. The Philistines were... Gathering and they were in battle. All right. Let me tell the first part of thing because it, it, it tell you. I don't want to read all that. So David's elder brothers who were soldiers had been conscripted in as soldiers. And here they were. They were fighting against the Philistines in that valley. And there was this guy whom the Bible calls a champion. Goliath. How big was he? The Bible says in that, in that chapter, I'm just trying to fast track for the sake of time. Goliath was on. You know, if somebody is, is 2.5 meters tall, they're really tall. They're really tall. There's a hunk. I know we fall short of that hunk. Goliath, the Bible says, what verse is that, Brastax? What verse is that? Number three. Show us verse number three on the this champion, number four. Yeah, you see, Ella Ibuaka six cubits. Let's put it in today's language. He says he was he was three he was three meters tall. That, that, that's no small guy. Three meters tall and what? And he carried armor. His the weight of his armor was how many kilograms? Fifty-seven kilograms of armor. This is a bad guy. So the Bible says that the, 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 the Israelites were afraid of him. He would come out every day. Abashapaka zingzong. I'm a Bible in Kinnafe like a chonya. 
he will stand there and say give me a man among you who can fight up, who can fight me and and he would defy them the armies of the living god so now note here's god's people who have the promises of god god told them way back in Deuteronomy chapter 32 god told them your enemies will be my enemies god told them whoever curses you is cursing me God is telling them habaletswara batswaranna God is telling me if your enemies come out against you one way I will cause them to flee before you in seven ways these are God's people they have the promise of God they believe it in their hearts but they're not saying it with their mouth instead when Goliath comes out and defies them everybody is afraid and the bible says they they run So David here he is he's at home and the Bible says he was young too young to be conscripted in the army maybe another shave will shave we don't know His father gives him food to take to his three elder brothers he gets there when he gets there he sees this whole thing happening So I want this guy on such a thing so so I put a has this thing been going on for a long time or a year So David says So What, what, what will what will what will what will the king do to a man who will take this guy out but if you take him out the king will make sure that you marry his daughter the king will treat you well and you'll make sure your whole family is exempted from taxes that's a good incentive that's a good incentive and david says no problem i'll take him on his elder brother becomes angry with him and says you younger you are so proud We get that something. I'm quoting what the Bible is saying. You can go and read it. And David 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 doesn't even listen to him because there are times when you want to do what's right, there are people who will try to discourage you from doing what's right. You want to walk in healing but uzenza ngon. You want to walk in the power of God but oh we know our pap. There's always somebody out there who is who is willing to be against you when you're trying to do something that's right. Finally they take David to the king. And the king says, "Muna kutlile bare wena, muna why? What gives you the confidence? Give me your plan. <laughs> what is your strategic plan?" <laughs> David was talking king. I used to look after my father's herds. One day as I was out there in the field there's a there's a bear that came to try and kill my father's herd and when that bear came I took it with my own two hands and I killed it one day a lion came and and that lion when it came I took it with my own two hands and, and the reason I could kill them is because that lion and that bear they have no covenant with God now I'm a circumcised Jew I have a covenant with God and king if I may just tell you I'm putting it to you king this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them and then the king said all right in that case yes my armor put this on david was armor marana akatlwaela ena nakatlwatsorapela haya akatlwaela go tshelwa ka dintho e basalana don't use what you are not familiar to using can i hear a name whatever has been working in secret will work out in the open that means practice defeating the devil in secret a day comes when you have your back against the wall you can take him down with the same principles tamaba and the king said all right okanaya let's pick up the story go to 45 for me please i want to pick up the story from there then david said to the philistine 
Now go back to 44. Or to 40. Verse 40. Start verse 40. All right, they are squaring up. Then he took the stuff in his hand, chose himself five smooth stones, put them in his shepherd's bag. Wait and try to write it. Not to write it up there. I was alone. I'm not going to try to work on my limb. It's been working for the last 30 something years. I'm not about to change that now. Hallelujah. Verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the men who bore the shield went before him. This is the Amabera. The guy who used to Take the armor. Verse 42. Then the Philistines looked about and saw David, and he disdained him, for he was only young. See, what I like about the principles of God doesn't matter how old you are. Yes. I, I, come on now, somebody. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young. He was young and ruddy and good looking. He was a handsome guy. Oh, Jesus. Give us some of that, please. Verse 43. So the Philistines said to David, Am I a dog that you should come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. This guy is digging a hole for himself. First he defies the armies of the living God. Next thing he says, then he starts cursing. You don't ever curse somebody that God has blessed. Are you there, Basalana? It's like a boomerang. It comes back to you. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Ah... But David said, somebody say David said. David said. Say it again. David said. Say it again. He didn't think, he didn't believe, he didn't imagine. David said, he said it, he spoke it. David said, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Keep going, keep going. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. He's, he's, he's already talking his destiny. He's already talking what's going to happen. Are you talking your destiny? Are you talking what's going to happen? He says, I will give your head to the carcasses, to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the earth, the wild beasts of the earth, and all the earth shall know that there's a God in Israel. Verse 47, I love it. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword and the spear for the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you in my hand. The other service, I didn't read this part. It's extra for you, alright? I want to show you the way this guy, what he said, moved him. I want you to see, go to the next verse. It says then, then, so it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards him. I mean, this guy, this thing is bending on the inside of him. He is not walking to the guy. He is running to him. He is not running away from the problem. He is running to the problem. Do we have people in this house who are going to run to the problem? He's not running from the mountain. He's running towards the mountain. He's not going there in his own strength. He's going in the name of Jehovah God. I see you going in the name of Jesus and running towards him. Hurried. 
ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Next verse, verse 49. Then David put his hand in his bag, took out the stone, slung it, struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank in his forehead and the guy fell to the earth. Now look at the hypocrisy of the people. Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, struck the Philistines, killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Keep going. Verse 51. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine. Now he said he was going to do that. He's doing exactly what he said. Death and life. He went and stood over and drew his sword from his sheath, killed him, cut off his head. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Verse 52. Note. Now when the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance. Ah, the brothers came to life. I see people coming to life because of the step that you're taking in the name of Jesus. Oh yeah. Because of your faith in God. Can I hear an amen? But throughout obstacles, intimidation, fear, David kept on speaking. Can I hear an amen? Amen. James says something amazing about our tongue and our words. In James chapter 3. I want to read it for you from verse 1. He talks about the power of the tongue. He said, be not many masters because you shall receive greater condemnation. Verse 2. Keep going please. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone doesn't stumble in word, he's a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Just keep it there. If any man doesn't stumble in, in, anyone does not stumble in word in what he says, he's a perfect man able to bridle his own body. So there's a connection between what you are saying and bridling your body in a sense of the direction of your life. There's a direct correlation to where you are today to the words you spoke yesterday. And I like the way James is drawing these comparisons and using these similes to try and illustrate. Note the next verse. He starts going for it. I love the way. He says, indeed, we put bits in a horse's mouth and we make them to obey us and turn their whole body. Watch. He has a big, strong horse. Right? Stronger than you, bigger than you, mightier than you. But if you can get hold of the bits, the domo. You can turn it wherever you want. As long as you've got a hold of the bits. Note the next illustration. Look at all the ships. Although they are so large. Driven not just by winds, but fierce winds. Jesus. They are turned by a very small rudder. Wherever. Wherever. The pilot desires. I tell you, there may be strong winds blowing in your life, strong challenges blowing in your life, but you can turn your life around when you got hold of the rudder. It doesn't matter what is coming against you. Next verse, verse 5. He says, even so the tongue is a little member. It boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire candles. He uses another simile. He says, if you look at all these forest fires, we just had a fire now in the Eastern Cape. That fire was started by just a small spark. Just a small spark destroyed so much. He says, the tongue is like that. Yeah. Yeah. You see your life on fire today? It's difficult to connect. 
Why? Things not working? Things blocked? But you see, the same way we got into trouble is the same way we're going to get out of trouble. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Yeah. Note next illustration. I love it. James, he says, he says, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. He's not just talking about the physical body, but the whole direction of your life. He says, and it sets on fire the cause of nature. Hold it now, and it is set on fire by hell. The whole direction of your life can be set on fire through your words, through the tongue. But then he says, Mara, the tongue, Yona, is set on fire by hell. What does he mean? What does he mean? Let me show you how it works. See, what your tongue says, the tongue doesn't have a choice and it doesn't decide what it says. Your tongue only says what your heart is full of. Because Jesus said it very clearly that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's Matthew 12, 34. Second part. Out of the abundance of... So in other words, the tongue only verbalizes what the heart is full of. However, when Satan wants to set your whole life on fire, he influences what the tongue says. So he gets you to speak death to your life. How does he do it? He gives you wrong thoughts. He, he puts you under pressure so that you say what you didn't mean. He doesn't go out and mess up your life. He gets you to mess up your life. So the tongue is set on fire by hell. In other words, Satan makes sure that the things that we say mess our lives up. So how do we turn this ship around? How do we turn this horse around? How do we Redirect the course of our lives. Number one, by guarding what our hearts are full of. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. So look after what enters your heart, what enters your spirit. Now note, when Jesus spoke about this principle in Mark chapter 4, he explained to us that as the preacher went out to preach, to put it in Jesus' words, as the sower went out to sow, which is preaching, the seed fell on different types of soil which represents our hearts. So, Jesus is telling us that the words that we hear make their way into the soil of our hearts. So you, you can sow doubt, fear, unbelief into your heart through the words that you hear. Now that's a problem. Because if you want to be truthful about it, we are living in a world where every day we are hearing negative things. Certainly, we cannot live in denial. We can't act like we don't know. Doesn't mean we don't watch television. Doesn't mean we don't read news 24. 
But the reality, Barcelona, is that every day we are hearing negativity all the time. So you can imagine the amount of negativity that is sown into our hearts. For that reason, if I want to start saying something that's different, I must learn to intentionally go to God's word and read something that is different. I must intentionally listen to the word of God. You know, since 1979, I learned from 1979 every day to listen to the, I want it to make an impact on my eardrum. I've got to hear something that's different. I'm not talking about escapism or denial. I'm talking about the word of God that lives and abides forever. I'm talking about what Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. I'm talking about the word of God that has power and life, that when God spoke the word of God to Mary, he said there is no word from God that is void of power. I'm talking about the word of God that is a seed that will produce good fruit. I'm talking about the word of God that when it enters our heart, it brings healing, soundness, and wholeness. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and delivered them from their oppressions. I'm talking about the word of God that is a sword of the spirit. I'm talking about the word of God that says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm talking about the word of God which God uses to uphold all things. It says in olden days God spoke to our fathers through the prophets but in these days he has spoken to us through his son who is the supreme being above all things who upholds all things by the word of his power. I'm talking about the word of God that will not change. The word of God that Jesus said is a seed. And because the word of God is a seed, I can go to the specific seed that is aligned to the specific need in my life. If I need healing, I can go back to the seed and take out the seed that has to do with healing and begin to plant it by hearing it again and 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 sow it into the soil of my heart. That's how David got to where he got. As a shepherd, you can read the book of Psalms. He would sit there and play his harp and, and play music and begin to talk about God. And, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down on the green pastures. He began to say it and 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 say it. Three times more than you believe it. Say it, say it. And the more you say it, the more it grows in your heart. But there are many people who don't have the discipline. To listen to God's word. That's why I tell people, buy CDs. Listen to preaching. But not only that, you don't only have to hear it from somebody, you can hear it from your own mouth. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. You can read it out loud to yourself. It's called confession. You have to speak it to yourself. I'm not telling you about what I don't know. I'm not telling you about what I don't know. I got a job in 1981 to work at Rayma. And the, the job I did was among the lowest job at the church. One of the lowest jobs. Those years, you know. And in my job, I had to interact with people from all departments. And things being what they were back those days, you know. It was bad in the 80s. White people didn't consider as much. I mean, Pastor Ray was a pioneer in trying to bring black and white people together. But those years, many of those people didn't think much about black people. And I remember working there. It was so humiliating for me going into the offices of some of these white people who would never even stop to look at me. They didn't know my name. They couldn't care who I was. Yeah. And there's nothing I said has been treated like a nobody. 
a blue-collar worker. I understand that word. Came from it. I was attending Bible school, traveling for two hours through train and bus to get to Runbeck. After work, I'd have to go to school and attend Bible school and finance my studies. I had so many things I wanted as a young man. At the time, I had just come from my church, the Dutch Reformed Church, and I knew that they had said that I should rather join Pentecostal people, so I wasn't going to go back to them. And here I am, I don't know where I'm going to start a church, how am I going to lead a church? I wasn't a pastor, I was just a student at school. Young man, I wanted to marry. I had debt, I wanted to buy my parents something at least to show that I was working. I'm in debt up to here. I'm being called everything but a child of God. What do you do? So you have a choice to complain. You have a choice to feel sorry for yourself. Or you have a choice to get hold of your rudder. Turn your life around. I tell you. Oh. Oh. you know, I'd get to work an hour before we started working. And you know, I'd study and do all other things. But then one of the things I decided to do, I said, now from now onwards, I'm going to go to God's word and look for those scriptures that have to do with deaths. God supplying my needs. That have to do with health. And that have to do with being led by the spirit. I'll never forget. And from Monday to Friday, I would spend at least 15 minutes, sometimes more, walking the floor, quoting those scriptures, reading them out loud. Same scriptures I still read today. Same words I still speak over my life today. I've never stopped. Why? Because I realize I have a future before me. I can wait on other people like a wheelbarrow to move me somewhere. But I don't have to wait for someone else when God is my God. I said I don't have to wait for some white man to feel sorry for me when God does not discriminate. God is colorblind. I started walking the floor, reading those scriptures. Not just reading them, speaking them over my life. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I walked the floor. I said himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses and by his stripes I was healed. I walked the floor saying as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I would pray prayers over me. Ephesians chapter 1, God I pray that you give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. The eyes of my understanding being enlightened that I may know what is the hope of your calling that I may know what is the glory of your inheritance in the saints that I may know what is the exceeding greatness of your power to us what who believe according to the working of your mighty power which you demonstrated in Christ when you raised him from the dead and set him at your own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principalities and powers and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in that which is to come and you have set him to be king over all things to the earth made him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him that filleth all in all even this morning I was reading the same scripture every day get hold of the rudder speak over your life instead of waiting for other people to do something for you get hold of the rudder of your life turn your life around so seize in your life I said so seize in your life so seize in your life As well as I stand here, Bazalan, I can tell you, I'm seeing today the fruit of the seed that was sown many years ago. Remember, it's a cycle. I realize I have to do far more sowing. 
I have to plant as much seed as possible because this world is not a kind world. Let me close. The story of the woman with the issue of blood. I want to show you things that you may not have seen even when you've read it. <laughs> Mark 5:25. My goodness. Can we have it up on the screen, please? Mark 5:25. Note. A certain woman would have the issue of blood for 12 years. Next verse, verse 26. And had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. I would call that a desperate condition. Yeah. Note next verse. When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. Watch. Oh. See, if you read that and pass over it, you're not going to get what it says. It means whatever she heard motivated her to go to Jesus. Ah, you're not hearing what I'm saying. What you hear, Jesus says, be careful what you hear. With the measure you meet, it shall be measured. You see, some of you, some of you, you're hanging around so much negativity. And, and you don't think it will affect you. Imagine if this woman had met the wrong person. Think about it. If she, if she had met somebody who says, Oh, he's not going to help you. But thank God for whoever it was. That when they met that whoever it was, whoever it was, in the way they talked about Jesus, motivated this woman. Her faith was built up because faith doesn't come by praying. Faith doesn't come by reading. Faith doesn't come by fasting. Faith doesn't come by seeing. Faith cometh by hearing. What you hear? When she heard, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Note, for she said. Okay, 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 okay. She said. Once I say she says, she kept on saying. Now, unfortunately, the King James doesn't bring it out so well. Here she came in the press behind. This is the picture, Bazalan. Here's Jesus walking over there. And because of the way people know him, and they know there were the things he do. They crowd around him. Think about this woman. This woman, 12 years she's been bleeding. She's been hemorrhaging 12 years. Definitely she's weak by now. She has no strength. Not only that, there was a law of Moses that said if she is found in public in that condition, she must be stoned to death. But whatever it is that this woman had... <laughs> Whoever it is, some of you, you underestimate when you tell other people about God. You underestimate the effects of telling them the testimony of what God has done in your life. When she heard, she, 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 she gets hold of her own destiny. I think this woman, as she walked, the friend said, I'm, how, Mzala, whoa, my friend, yeah, yeah. I'm already, I'm a, but I am going there to turn my life around. Think about it. There's a crowd. They are around Jesus, but they're also pushing against one another, pushing against Jesus, touching Jesus on every side. And Jesus just keeps walking. They're all the, 
Jesus just walks. I see this woman coming, elbowing her way. Pushing. Pushing. She keeps on saying, yes, I am. If I can just touch. He, he, he doesn't have to turn around and look at me. He, he doesn't have to touch me. I will touch him. He doesn't have to stop and make me a prayer item. I will go to him. He doesn't have to come to my house and knock it. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be restored to great health. Now, next verse, next verse. Next verse, verse 29. And straight away, after that's where, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt. The feeling comes after the believing. The feeling comes after the saying. Some of you, you want to feel first before you believe, before you say anything. But it is the saying that causes it to come. She felt in her body that she was healed from that plague. Now note, very dramatic. Next verse, 30. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue, power, anointing oh, has gone out of him. Turns around, he says, who touched my clothes? Go to the other translation, it's good. Next verse. Verse 31. Go to the other translation. I don't know what translation it was. No, 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 no not that one. I think you had the New Living Translation or something else. Or whatever. Not, not the Amplified Bible. 31. Yeah. His disciples said to him, look at this crowd pressing around you. See, this one is explaining. Go to buy Yeah. These people have been pressing around you all along. We just have words. Why would that know? Here's a point. Others touched him with hearts that were empty of faith. Same Jesus. Same anointing, same power. Another one came with a heart full of faith and words in her mouth. Touches him. Jesus says, who touched me? They say, how can you ask who touched me? Next verse. But Jesus kept on looking because when you understand the anointing, the anointing does go out. You know where it has gone. Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Next, verse 33, then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell at his feet and told him all the truth. Note what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, daughter, my power, my power, my power, some of you are going to wake up next week. My power. My uh, daughter, my power. Daughter, your faith. What, what are the building blocks of faith? What are the elements of faith? Believing and saying. Keep on saying. Three times. That's faith. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I want to say, go in peace. Your suffering is over. Amen. Can I hear an amen? Bazalana, I'm doing this for Muruti Tolagele. She asked me to do this one. This is a shout out to you. As I finish, I will give you this list. We will send it out. But I'm going to read it out to you. Those years after we heard this teaching, people started going back to the word of God to find out what the word says about us. And to correct things that we say. There are things that you should never say. Things you should never confess. And they, you know, I used to go to the SCM. 
And you know, I don't know why Kodi SCM, you'd have four different groups of people coming to sing, and all of them sing the same song. And then they sing the same song that the other group sang. And I'm thinking, after all of that introduction, you're still singing the same song. So this one, people would come and say, How was Alana? Nami Nizuelen Chena, Gutinengiz Okuluma Nami, Nizuelenzi Listiam, Never Again List. We used to call it the Never Again List. In other words, these are things that I will never again say. Don't try to write, you won't be able to write. We'll send it to you. Never again will I confess or focus on I can't. Because Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ to start this. Never again will I focus on fear. Because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Never again will I confess doubt, lack of faith. For Romans 12.3 says, God has dealt to everyone the measure of faith. Never again will I confess weakness because Psalms 27 one says the Lord is the strength of my life. Daniel 11.32 says the people that know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Never again will I confess supremacy of Satan over my life because the word of God says in 1 John 4.4, 4, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Never again will I confess defeat because the word of God says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Never again will I confess lack of wisdom because 1 Corinthians 1.30 says Christ Jesus has become to me wisdom from God. James 1.5 says if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask from God who generously gives to all without finding fault. Never again will I confess sickness because Matthew 8.17 says, with the stripes of Jesus I'm healed, himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses. Never again will I confess bondage because 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Do we have people in this house? Never again will I confess worries and frustrations and anxieties because 1 Peter 5 7 says I am casting all my cares upon him for he cares for me. Never again will I focus on condemnation because Romans 8 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Never again will I confess loneliness because Hebrews 13 5 says I am with you always even until the end of the age. Jesus said in Matthew I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Never again will I focus on curses, bad luck, leading yama, or generational curses, because Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me, so that the blessing of Abraham should come upon me, that I should receive the promise of the Spirit. Never again will I be discontented, because in Philippians 4.11 says, I have learned in whatever state therewith, therewith to be content. Never again will I feel unworthy, because 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He had made him who knew no sin to be sin for me, that I should become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Never again will I focus on confusion because 1 Corinthians 14.33 says God is not the author of confusion but of peace. 
1 Corinthians 2.12 says, We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit that comes from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. Never again will I focus on persecution, because Romans 8.31 says, If God be for us, who can be against us? Never again will I confess on dominion over sin, over my life. Because Romans 8.2 says, The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Never again will I focus on insecurity, because Proverbs 3.24-26 says, When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and will keep your foot from being caught. Never again will I focus on failure, because Romans 3.37 says, All these things, in all these things we have made to be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Never again will I confess frustration because Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Never again will I focus on fear of the future because the word of God says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him. God has prepared good things for me because I love him and never again will I focus on troubles because in John 16, 33, Jesus says, in the world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Have this list. Put it somewhere on the refrigerator door. And every day as you walk around, I would actually have several of these lists around my house. And every day I walk around, this is what I'll say. You know what you'll be doing? You'll be sowing seeds with your words. And before you know, sickness and disease will go. You know, I used to be a very sickly child. Very, very sickly. Winter would never pass without me coming down with flu. Twice or three times. I used to have ear infections, all kinds of things. Migraine headaches. I mean, I was a customer for that. But I decided that by the stripes of Jesus, I'm here. But you've got to say it first before it becomes a reality. I didn't say I feel healed. I said I believe I am healed. Believing has to do with what you don't see, feel, taste, smell, or touch. I believe I'm healed. For Jesus Christ died on the cross for me to be healed. So whatever it is in your life, you can get hold of the rudder and turn it around. And I believe, as you've heard this message, from today, you'll see a couple of times you're going to put your hand to the mouth. Because you'll be realizing the amount of death that you have been releasing. But thank God, you're going to speak life to your life. Are you going to speak life to your life? Raise your hands as I pray.